There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Okay, all right. Well, this is uh, the Paranoia Podcast. I'm Olaf. Uh, I'm one of yeah. Ron. I'm the I'm the publisher <laughs> of uh, Paranoia Magazine. I'm going to do this kind of kind of fast because we kind of uh, messed up trying to call people. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. Ron, introduce yourself. Yeah, I am Ron Patton. I'm the executive editor of Paranoia. And welcome. Yay. <laughs> this is so our again. Time. This is our first episode in a long time. Yes, it's been a really long time. We we have a tendency to take quite long breaks, and uh, then we get we're like, oh, we should do this again, and so then we do. Ron, we have an amazing guest on tonight. Who's our guest? Our guest is Richard Allen Miller, and uh, he's sort of the jack of all trades. He's done it all. He's uh, taught at Harvard. I believe it was metaphysics. He's also trained Navy SEALs. And uh, he's done a lot of clandestine things all over the planet, maybe all over the universe. I'm, I'm not sure, Richard. Have you? Have you been over the universe? Well, I'm getting old. This is what's happening now. I'm 77. Oh. I, um, I'm the guy that uh, when I came out of grad school, I uh, started working at Boeing. And my first job was uh, Lunar Base Alpha 1. And because I had uh, been hired by the old man DuPont. Uh, he had come to my high school graduation. At that time in high school, I was doing code for NASA with some bunch of mm-hmm. black ladies, and uh, I did Fortran, Fortran 4, Ingall, Cobol. I wrote code. Oh. And in my oh. senior year, I created That's a right. particle going faster than the speed of light. And uh, that, that experiment, high school experiment, was used like, what, four years later on the Mariner 4 to measure the water on Mars. Now, then, that's why old man DuPont got an interest in me, took me back east. I did my graduate work at Princeton, MIT, and Delaware, and uh, then went to work for Boeing, and the rest is history in terms of working for the Smoky Man. I started with uh, my mentor, Dr. Stanley Krippner, uh, introduced me to Edgar Mitchell in 1970 in New York, uh, mm-hmm. Energies of Consciousness is a book by Gordon and Breach. It'll have my paper in there. And I uh, did the ESP studies for NASA uh, at Mission Control and basically in 1971. That led mm-hmm. to me coming up with a field theory that I'm going to be writing even more today, and we can talk about that later, um, yeah. called Psionic Field Effect. Uh, to supersede my holographic concept of reality by 47 years. Now, okay. 
it goes downhill from there. I've done just about everything. I'm still um, deployed at age 77. I'm a GS-18. And mm-hmm. what Matt Stein and I did was manage bunkers until his mm-hmm. untimely death. We have uh, what we call sustainable lifeboats all throughout North America. Every state mm-hmm. has a unique survival center, if you will, or a sustainable lifeboat, uh, lifeboat with oars, uh, that, uh, you know, for an event of something like Yellowstone or uh, something even weirder happening, like Chernobyl mm-hmm. again, huh? Right. You know, we right. we have a we actually have a mis- mysterious bunker uh, not far from where I live near Napa. That uh, oh, down in Florida. You're in Florida. No, no, California near Napa. Oh, California. California. Well, Dolph, you're 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 not talking about uh, China Lake, right? No, <laughs> I know about all of those. Great. There's a bunch of them. You know, you're talking about the underground under the ocean there. There's um. What I'm doing would be like a missile silo, an old Nike missile silo with uh, run by three families doing aquaculture. That's a closed system in Arapahoe that will feed 4,000 people. It's a closed system. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we, I did a, a series of workshops back in Chattanooga, oh, maybe with uh, Michael Moore. And um, at the end of the day, when I was finished and I left, Chattanooga was producing 40% of the food they now consume. The plan, we took downtown area of Chattanooga and turned it into a a farmer's market. And every day, a daily farmer's market. And every single restaurant on the Chattanooga River had uh, a greenhouse. In other words, they're producing some of the salad and um, vegetable material that might be used in their their menu plate. And... uh, if you go up into Canada, like uh, starting with uh, Peaceful Kingdom, which is on the Pack River, um, that's an old Quaker retreat. Going up further into Edmonton, up near Olds College, I'm right now I'm growing psychedelic mushrooms for the Canadian government, Schedule 1. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's really popular now in the United States. Uh, they're, I guess, decriminalizing uh those mushrooms. The, those yeah, mushrooms. the problem with psychedelic mushrooms, I mean, I the reason I've got this is I wrote the original books on psychedelic mushrooms uh, for uh-huh. high times and then was uh, actually marketing pharmaceutical mushrooms and gourmet for the next 40 years. Um, right. The problem with medicine is that it's, in my humble opinion, uh, it's taking a wrong direction. Mushrooms are toxins. However, they have a chemistry that's very similar to, but different than the neurotransmitter in the brain. And when you take psilocin or neurobiocystin, one of those chemistries you'll find in psychedelic mushrooms, Mm -hmm. uh, the brain freaks out. And what it does is essentially jumpstarts the brain's own production of a similar but different neurotransmitter. And that neurotransmitter is what is associated with the high, you know, the 20 hours of hallucinations or body experiences. What uh, has happened is that Max Rempel, uh, second generation Russian, wrote uh, 
a technical paper last year made a major breakthrough on a thing called the proton cloud. This is the space mm-hmm. between when a proton is a particle and when it becomes a wave. And that's where the multiverse works. And he didn't have the math, and so that's what I'm writing now is on psionic field, PSI, psionic field. I have a, what, yeah, I have a question there. about that, I, Yeah. by the way. Okay, so I've been waiting. I, we couldn't do this last week, so we're doing it this week. I have a question that I've been waiting to ask you. So I was on a radio show. Yes, I do interviews occasionally. I was on a radio show, and a guy fronted the idea that back in 2008, I think it was 2008, that Fermilab had done some sort of an experiment with their accelerator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, after, after Lockheed, that, yeah, what that's about, that's another subject altogether. Um, well, Lockheed. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's more. So because the, the Mandela effect started appearing in 2009, that he equated that to to some sort of a effect of that experiment on the accelerator. I'm way ahead of you. And, I've got you. And okay, Lockheed, I'm going to let you okay. go. Yeah, Lockheed developed a teleportation laser that was able to uh, move on a quantum mechanical level items. Mm-hmm. And they call it a teleportation laser. Uh, Fermi Labs was connected with CERN to try to move a larger object in what I would call a rapid transit system going from CERN to Fermi Labs in Chicago. Uh, it worked. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, again, like mushrooms, uh, it's a wrong direction. I have a three-book series coming out in the next few weeks that deal with uh, video feedback systems I did in, in 1976, 1977, and 8. Mm-hmm. I have the first book, The Diamond Body, is the work I did in 1974 on cymatics and how sound and light affect physical organs in the body. And Gary Robert Buchanan did his doctoral thesis under me in, in 74. Uh, while he was doing his doctorate, uh, uh, in music, he was working for me as a grad student doing work on cymatics, and that was what his doctoral thesis was. And he just recently died. Now, the second book, Electromagic, is where I bypass drugs and can simulate any drug experience using electric currents on the top of the forehead. I, I used a Mora and Endomet German acupuncture equipment, but I was able to break a code and talk using pulses of electric, electrical currents and, and you know, wave shaping it and so on. I could talk to a specific neurotransmitter and get it to release. And that's electromagic and yogatronics is where I bypass CERN and generate my own wormhole by visualizing geometry in my mind's eye. And the breakthrough that Max Rumpel did, quoting from embryonic holography, a secondary paper I wrote after the holographic concept of reality, basically sets up um, suggesting that the biohologram uh, is a resonant cavity oscillator dialoguing with subtle bodies outside the physical body. This is where the uh, uh, multiverse lies. And will 
upon writing this equation, and I've got the math and all of that, I'm going to use a form of Kaufman's virtual knot theory, taking strings and tying them into certain kinds of knots. Back even around the year oh, 2000, we had over 20 billion different kinds of knots that can be tied. And when you realize that the all the possibilities of what man is about, anything that you could envision in your mind's eye today is not only true, it's even more than that. And what you are potentially capable of achieving in this lifetime, should you be able to access all of your potential, you can't right. because you're basically asleep. That's what consciousness is. There's right. certain <laughs> dream states that have more content to reality than consciousness. Right. And what Who I'm doing now for the military, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry? Who needs AI when you can uh, do it yourself? Well, we'll talk about AIs in a minute. Stay tuned on that. What do you mean, wait, wait, man? You know, I mean, that's not when. Is it possible that that these things that we see with the Mandela effect, is it possible that 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 is being caused by by leakage of the multiverse? Of course. How? Well, okay. here's the bad news. Physics is never going to get you there. It gets you close. Like Simon says, you can go halfway to the door. That protocol will get you close to the door, but you can't get there from here because physics begins with assumed truths and definitions. And man's ability to conceptualize is so limited that you think that this song is about you, don't you? <laughs> and so here's this story. The way I would give it to you is, how many ants are on your property? And who's terraforming it more? Now, once you get that picture, now you're beginning to settle in with realizing, I did a study with uh, Carl Sagan back in the 70s. I was a Swiss kid. They wanted to know if Beethoven had a language. And, and they brought me in, and I'm listening to all these clicks and whistles, like our man Flint. And I came to the realization that their redundancy coefficient, you know, looking at cadence, you know, and pause, that was more efficient by an order of magnitude than Hebrew, old Hebrew, with mother letters. And I stepped back, and I realized that I was in the presence of a mammal that was more intelligent than man. It turned out, 42 years later, here I am today, I was wrong. The dolphin aren't speaking. They're sending holograms, pictures. And uh, oh. that is their language that even with my holographic concept, I couldn't even comprehend back then. <laughs> now, the way I'll try to give you a picture of it is that you start off with the shortest distance between two points and the Earth's round. But mm -hmm. if space is curved, I can easily prove it's flat. Which one is it? And the correct answer is yes, because space is not real. It's a construct. And that's how limited man is in terms of conceptualizing. You know, imagine you with your cell phone talking to me right now next door to a farmer in England 100 years ago. What would that farmer think? 
but not even aware of batteries and and cell and chips, computer chips, but talking to me here in Oregon. Now imagine a race of being that have been here for millennia. You don't have a clue. And we think we're superior because we have a thumb and fire. But newsflash, Orca has access to nine-tenths of the biosphere, where man has only access to one-tenth. Who's superior? And when you realize that Orca is chasing dolphin as food chain, where mm-hmm. exactly does that put man? Right. Interesting. It's a good point. That's well, good point. it's just trying to wakey-wakey, you know, like Crocodile Dundee would say, you know, you, you startle up and realize that none of, you're along for the ride. This, you know, I'm today writing on the non-local mind. It's a book I'm coming out with shortly, and it's already superseded. I'm writing, finishing up Chapter 5, which the rest of the book's done, on, on uh, uh, synchronicity. And the nature of what synchronicity is and how the universe is talking to you. Synchronicity suggests that there's nothing by chance. In getting some books published, I remember the last time uh, we talked, well, it was probably two or three years ago, you you had a lot of material, but uh, no publishing outlet. So who's who's publishing your material now? It wasn't a question of publishing. It was a question of dinero. I didn't have any money. I have a bunch of patrons coming out of the walls now. Is why I'm coming out. I just released Project Profile, which was the first public demonstration of an AI. And that was done in 1973 at Sonoma. And that newsflash... The second paper I presented was the one that got classified top secret for 48, I mean, for 28 years, almost 30 years. It was, um, I, Bert Webb and I, when we wrote Embryonic Holography, which was suggesting the concept of, of resonant cavity oscillators, mm-hmm. um, you know, hierarchy, like your brain, your upper brain can be seen as another gut, but it's dialoguing with bodies outside the physical. What would that be? Oh, well, at the moment of death, there's a five gram weight loss in everyone. What is that? It's not urine. So what is it? And and we have proposed that's microtubules with five grams of structured water. And oh, guess what? Five grams of memory water is enough storage capacity for a minimum of 100,000 lifetimes. And at the moment of death, according to the Bordeaux et al., the Tibetan Book of the Dead, man is offered one last choice at the moment of death. He can either choose the blue light, getting off the wheel, or the circle or tunnel of light, which Kubler-Ross and others have talked about in coming back here, the tunnel of light. Now, what is here? Well, time isn't real. So exactly what does that make your son? And that's where the multiverse comes in and the new field theory I'm going to be writing on psionic field theory. The problem is, it's like Simon says, halfway to the door. Because of our limitation, you focus on the door and you've missed 
the journey. You already have physical immortality, and you're not aware of it because you're mostly paying attention to your sleep. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting, my man. Oh, well, it's a beginning start on why all saints in history have stressed Mm -hmm. the importance of training the mind. Your mind is not the bottom line. It is an unruly brat that needs to be trained because, and this is the most important thing I'll say tonight, Mm -hmm. man has a responsibility for the thoughts he chooses to entertain. Yep. Mm. Very true. So I, I don't mean to digress, but I think I will just... Uh, oh, well, oh, that's cool. Well, that's fine. That's what I do. <laughs> just for the fact that uh, um, Iona Miller, who you were married to, uh, recently passed away. And so I'd like to dedicate this show to Iona. Uh, she was um, actually a big fan of Paranoia Magazine. She uh, actually used to uh, write for Paranoia quite a bit as mm-hmm. well. So... Uh, just wondering um, if you have any thoughts, Richard. She was my friend. Mm -hmm. I met her in 1974. We were married in 1977. Uh, We were married 18 years, and the next 40, when I wasn't dating or doing something else, I would take her up to visit with my daughter in Scalem, or I might go to Brisbane or Amsterdam when I was presenting a paper. Um, she was my friend. The last few years, uh, even though we lived in the same town, we didn't connect as much, um, and I'm uncertain what that is. Uh, more shall be revealed. Stay tuned, bad fans. Same bad channel, same bad time. As I discover more about what's going on, I'm under some kind of control. I have no idea. If I were paranoid, I'd think, you know, you know, I'm not. What I am is there's something unusual going on. I'm aside from the coronavirus and the lockdown and all this crap of experimenting with a bioweapon. Um, right. That, that there's something else going on where I'm being kept on a very tight leash. It might have been that Iona was one of my handlers. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I certainly loved her. We had uh, we co-authored a bunch of things together. Um, mm-hmm. But there's some other things going on, like uh, David Rubini and... Uh, uh, well, we're going to start with OTO. I aren't, there's a new brand new book out on her in in uh, Portuguese, and uh, it's written by Rovelli's new wife, uh, who is a low end OTO, and uh, so they're going to be uh, you know rats are exposing themselves as we speak, and uh, I'm getting better to the bottom of it. Meanwhile, not to focus on that as much, what I am trying to do now is uh, get my past works there's over 40 manuscripts just from the past i'm not even talking about what i'm writing new right now that Mm -hmm. people want like the seal reports there's 12 reports i did for seal corp 
uh, created the Navy SEAL program. There's MRU, Spook Central, the work I did with Dr. Carl Schleicher. There's uh, uh, the Marshall Papers, the work I did with Bob Marshall, who was the idiot savant working for Buckminster Fuller. He's an individual. He would, he was a, now there's prodigy. I, I'm just the normal, you know, savant that drools a little bit in Bob's, but this man was, was the real deal. And nobody could understand him. And that's when Buck brought me in to try to understand what he was talking about, because I do code and shit like that. This guy did everything on a yellow tablet. And mm-hmm. um, let me give you chapter three, an example. Mm-hmm. Riemann, a mathematician, challenged the mathematical community to come up with a mathematical expression for recurring primes, base 10, you know, 17, 19, 23, that kind of thing. And nobody's been able to do that in over 120 years. And what Bob Marshall did is he did a bunch, a cone of numbers on a yellow tablet with a certain pitch to it. And then he did another pitch of numbers running around one, two, three, four, five around the cone in the opposite direction in such a way he could draw a straight line through it. Boo. That was what that man could do uh, just with his mind's eye. Now, that is what children do on a daily basis. And in my humble opinion, for me, I sense the absolute need for educational reform like we did social distancing. Social distancing should have happened 10 years ago. Crowd control alone, you know, when you crowd and push each other in traffic and Mm -hmm. standing in line at a grocery store. That whole concept of rudeness is not seen or practiced in other countries. And so that's just typical of what's needed by some kind of criminal activity like the coronavirus that will focus us into trying to do some things that should have been done a long time ago. In my humble opinion, children are probably our single most important natural resource. They, not may, are going to be the ones that change this world and save it. And, well, they're not going to, why would I want to take that child, smarter version of me, I'm looking at her 12, six years old for, why would I want to put it through educational processes that I went through to dumb it down to become may? Child doesn't know it can't do something. That's where innovation occurs. And when you realize they're all oriented toward the sandbox, I mean, it sounds to me like aquaculture is the first thing in mind that you might want to show a child how to do is grow their own food. Mm -hmm. And so, well, that's what I'm doing. And I'm also, I've got this uh, old bus that we've converted. I've now got a couple of universities with grants that are going to make these buses. And then Mike, Michael Moore is going to take one across the country and clone it everywhere. It's basically a mobile water testing laboratory run by third graders, teaching first graders how to test for turbidity and cleanliness and how to clean water. That's Interesting. Cool. Very cool. Well, that's just the beginning. This coronavirus thing, I think what's going to happen next is there's going to be a quarantine on those that got inoculated because they've become carriers. What do you mean by that? 
killing people. What's killing people today is they're not healthy. It is yeah. not medicine that cures you mm -hmm. of something. You cure yourself with your own immune system. My mother yeah. sent me to school to get sick when I was a child because that's how I got rid of mumps and measles and other kinds of flu. And to right. try to inoculate with experimental drugs like mRNA, Georgia, mm -hmm. Oklahoma, and two other states now are starting to cancel your health insurance because it's experimental. Right. Now, that's what Nuremberg was about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't experiment on medicine on human beings, and that's what they're doing right now globally. And when you start talking about experimental uses of vaccines, as a test to see how it's going to work with unknowns like mRNA, mm -hmm. I have to draw a line. As a scientist, I protest. You know, it was Benjamin Franklin that said, that when you give up your civil rights for safety, you lose both. Mm -hmm. So I, I've heard uh, that the, uh, the uh, COVID-19 vaccine is actually... Uh, if a person gets inoculated, they have the capacity to actually shed it to a non-vaccinated person. Is that true, or is that just rumor? Rumor. I don't know that. I have. I've, I saw that. I have not seen any uh, confirming data. And I also have a degree in Harvard in medicine, uh, anesthesiology, and so You're I've right. got a bunch of doctorates. And I have to say, I don't know, uh, but. I can tell you that if it did, that would be all over the news, and it isn't. You got to watch. The thing, the problem is today, there's nobody, including me, is mm -hmm. valid. We have opinions. And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, there's nothing wrong with that because here's the another important thing I'm going to say one size does not fit all. We are, each of us, uniquely different. And what is. An illness for you is health for me. And to think that, oh, you're uh, 67 or over, that means that if your blood pressure is da da da, uh, we're going to have to put you on meds. No, you're not. I actually went out and found a Seventh day Adventist doctor, and it was very disappointing because he likes to write scripts like Paladin drawing a pistol. It's crazy. Uh, I remember I walked into his lab and he, oh, your blood pressure's at 151. I'm going to have to put you on meds. I said, nope, I'm not going to do it. And he looked at me and said, I might have to fire you. And what I did is I said, cuff me again, because I've learned how to put my blood pressure anywhere I want to using biofeedback. Mm -hmm. High yeah. blood pressure in some people is different than others, just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, bladder infections or or diabetes and other kinds of things. Mostly, America today is not healthy. One in four people in Oregon, the state of Oregon, is not fat. They're obese. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How's that? How are you going to be healthy when you're like that? Yeah, that's true. So, um, that's true. what what is your uh, take on? Uh, chemtrails in relation to COVID-19 and 5G because, uh, you know, there are some conspiracy theorists who believe that uh, all three of those 
are interconnected and actually making us much more sick. That's uh, again, uh, uh, NA, uh, that's uh, like Temple of Doom when uh, Indiana Jones and the woman comes out on stage and says, yeah. anything goes. I'll tell you what I do know. So okay. when Alan Fry made his discovery at Willow Grove, I developed a thing called synthetic telepathy. And I did that in 1974. Uh, and way, way back. Now, all your high school shootings, what they did is a beta test in all the prisons where they discovered they moved everyone off opiates and into antipsychotics. And they found that one in four people, especially children, were unstable on antipsychotics. And then... If you put a voice in their head, they become confused. And if you tag them in with a second shooter, scopolamine, mm -hmm. you now no longer need law enforcement in a community. How many uh, people in your neighborhood are on antipsychotics right now? And what would happen if we put 5G on every neighborhood so that we could put that voice in your head? You would no longer need law enforcement in that neighborhood. All you'd have to do is send a signal through the 5G meter because it's at 0.3 to 3 gigahertz. And then you have an individual in and hit them with a scopolamine, and now you've got a weapon. Right. So when you say synthetic telepathy, is that the same thing as what they refer to as uh, V2K or voice-to-skull technology? That is the same. That is. It's, uh, what it does is it heats up the temporal lobes in the, uh, and it causes them to ring. Then you can heterodyne audio bandwidth onto that, and you can actually literally hear it inside the head without it going through the ear. And that was a development that I had hoped might be used when we go into space. But mm -hmm. I did a single tour at Groom Lake. Uh, level eight, where I met for the government an alien, and wow. what, no, it was Krill. I want to hear that. It was not my. It, I, I was. I was. It was not part of my work because I worked out of Seattle and was mostly doing paranormal <laughs> studies back then. We knew about aliens, but at that time we were way more concerned with what Russia was doing because of Sputnik and the space race and landing on the moon or not, whatever. When I was at Mission Control in 71, the reason they have that precision in countdown, five, four, three, the reason they have that is before they launch, they have to punch a hole in the ionosphere for the astronaut to get through it safely. There's no way that anyone mm -hmm. could do that and live if they didn't punch a hole. Today, it's a lot easier with HARP and some of the other technical devices that we have in space. But back then, we didn't have that. And even still, just going around the moon, you know, you're not going to have babies anymore. There's no way you could go to Mars. That's why CERN was developed in the first place. You can't no. do it in space because there's no way to shield you from gamma rays. So how are you going to get there? Through the time tunnel, right? <laughs> well, the time warp. Yeah, there it is. Rocky Horror, just like in the movies. But the thing is, 
suppose isn't real. When I, in the seventies, I did a study on uh, back back then. We were worried about Russians, but back then the Russians weren't the ones to be frightened of. It was Prague, Czechoslovakia. Uh, there was Yanif had come out with a book called The Lunar Sex Cycle of the Female, that when the female is born, a genetic code is set in her DNA when she ovulates. And if she moves around the Earth, where that phase of the moon changes, her ovulation changes. They had birth control just on when you were born. Now, with that said, I remember when astrology became astronomy, and in the future, which is not yet, it will be called cosmobiology. And the study I did, not Yanov, was when the planet Uranus and the Earth and the moon and sun are in a certain geometric alignment, there is a three sigma error coefficient. That's a 99.99975% probability of a major earthquake on Earth. And even suspicious observers isn't talking about that one. And that Uranus in astrology is a higher resonance of Earth. And in astronomy, it's this big planet out there past Jupiter. And in cosmobiology, <coughs> where space, <coughs> our concept of space, takes on a different dimension where it's not real, like I suggested earlier. Now it will be the new direction in where astronomy becomes old-fashioned in comparison to what Uranus is and what it is not, and what Nibiru is and what Nibiru is not. You see, the way man is functioned today, we think in binary. You've got two brains with science and religion. That's the same concept that we see in the wave as a cavitation process and the foundation of cold fusion processes as they're studying them at, at MIT. Our sun has a, has a black dwarf. I remember when JPL, one of the people there at, and JPL said, but the IR signature of that red dwarf is wrong. And that's when somebody else said, yeah, maybe it's our a Dyson sphere around it, and it's our future coming in to meet the present. And metaphorically speaking, we do not have a clue on what we think science is or not. And this is why I'm going to suggest there will never be a theory of everything. It, it, will, it doesn't work like that. Anything you can imagine in your mind's eye is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The science and religion part, the two brains, is what made you uniquely different than me and your concept of choice and becoming God's favored. Mm. So uh, getting back to AI, though, um, actually, we had uh, on one of our shows on Ground Zero, we actually had the opportunity to uh, interview Sophia. You know, she's the world-renowned AI robot who's very gracious and, you know, very articulate, well-mannered. And uh, so do you think uh, robots like uh, Sophia are out there and are actually sort of just being spoon-feeding the public and they're actually know a lot more than they're actually saying? 
you know, as far as their, you know, public relations? Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. How do I go there? Uh, third generation day wave. Let's talk about the new directions uh -huh. in, in uh, right. setting up functional trade. Um, uh -huh. There is the Masonic movement, which is moving in the evolution of life forms from organic to inorganic. And the transhumanism movement of, uh, you know, the, the earlier scientists up out of New York. I sense that while AI can go to places faster than you, that's basically from an algorithm. They can do the calculations faster than you can. But mm -hmm. if you're not coming from a place of wounding, you're coming from a place of purpose. They right. can't disseminate you because you're not in conflict with anything. The whole concept of algorithms has to do with uh, chance and the idea of, of uh, cause and effect. And if you work from synchronistic systems, it doesn't work like that. And they can't go where you can go. And that's why at some point there will be a schism between transhumans, which is a crossover before it becomes pure machine, like a drone, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, Lucy has fallen. <laughs> right. That's a, a metaphor. That concept of what is an AI is only just now beginning to bear fruit. And mm -hmm. you can see just in molecules like water that have a dipole moment, there's a need for a whole myriad of charts. Just water, H2O, mm -hmm. has a whole, has several, uh, uh, what we call um, isotopes, has yeah. structured water, has H3O2, that's a hydrogen peroxide with an extra hydrogen molecule. Then mm -hmm. there's uh, clustered water, uh, H7O9 with a free radical ion, Terry Reams, uh, Willard, old man Willard water. You know, there are different mm -hmm. things going on here that we have not yet <clears throat> containerized. It's like mm -hmm. Bruce Lee and water. You know, water right. form is not, it yeah. does anything. But once you put it in a glass, mm -hmm. now you can do something with it. You can drink it. And that's right. what containerizing or naming it does. It limits what it is by the structure of your concept. And that's why Gregory Bateson said, what is your metaphor but to serve your paradox? So, of course, I have a paradox out in my meadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> his eyes blaze over when he realized what I just said. I get it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, that's how off we are with language. Actually, yeah. when I did my language tour is... at Lake and had this close mm -hmm. encounter, I had no memory of what happened. After the door opened, I'd been briefed. I had one hour to briefing. The door opened. And for 20 minutes, we sat staring at each other. And all the debriefing, and they did everything. Try, they had cameras on me and everything. That, that, trying to understand what happened. I can tell you it's like 
who played in the movie being there, you know, you, you, you can kind of almost remember his name, but you can't quite get it. It's like that. Right. And less than a month ago, one of the doors opened when I started writing this new field theory. And mm-hmm. basically, it told what that door, one door of all these doors, that one door, emotion is a higher form of language than words. And our dream states aren't even close. To 20 minutes of that kind of dialogue is a lifetime of words. Emotion. And that was just one door that opened for me. And I'm now understanding where man is in the food chain and why Bob Dylan's saying everybody's got to serve somebody. You know, not only is there a God for earth, there's a hierarchy of gods. What we call in, in, in Kabbalah, the uh, veils of vices, Ain, Ain's right. off, and Ain's off. Okay. So with, with that metaphor, you can't get there from here because this is a sleep state. You're going to have to wake up. How do you wake up? How do you get out of the sleep state? Uh, Well, that's the question that saints throughout history have discussed in terms of getting off the wheel and the importance of training the mind. I'm a satsangi. I meditate every day since 1977. I'm not a vegetarian anymore. I like to over a little bit, you know, because I'm O negative and I need the protein. Uh, enzymes, but I'm aware of what I am and what I'm becoming, and the new field theory I'm going to write is going to suggest that at some level, you are me, and I am you, and I am the walrus, that we are the walrus. That means (laughs) what I'm going to do is not any more important than what you're going to have to do before any of us get out of here. And who is the Eggman? That begs the question, who is the Eggman? Well, who who could like you? There it is. I am the Eggman. Yeah. Eric Burden of the Eggman, animals. Right? Eric Burden of the animals. That's what I heard. There's a hierarchy of Eggman. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grace Slick aside, she couldn't carry a note, so nice try. But I've been there. I'm that old. I was at Monterey in 1967 when the birds came off stage and Jimi Hendrix walked on to sing, you know, Rainy Day. (laughs) Oh, man, I can still be there. I can see when it happened. And I can remember it was like when Tina Turner came on stage naked, essentially, in the ICATS. Oh, man, 50,000 people got up, blown out of their minds because something's happening. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> well, you got to tell us what's, what's happening. What's yeah. that? You got to tell us. You got to tell us what's happening. Good luck with that one, man. If I could tell you, I wouldn't be here. I'm stuck <laughs> here because <laughs> that's right, man. I have no illusions on you know my special day or not. I know that I don't know, and I know now. You can't get there from here. That's why Kostyanetis said there were four enemies of man. The first was fear. The second was personal power. When you got over your fear, you got some personal power, and that corrupted you. And then as you started to get wiser, 
you started to see things more clearly, and clarity became a limitation. And of course, the fourth enemy was old age. I'm too old to do anything about it. Mm. No, I can see how the clarity. I can see how the clarity would would do that. It's well, opinion, and know, everybody's different. Paralysis. That's the whole thing. That's what made us God's favorite. You know, if you were born in Iraq, you would not, or in Afghanistan, you would not be a Christian. Does that mean that everybody over there is going to hell? I don't think so. And in fact, there's evidence to indicate that Jesus was not Caucasian. Huh, what does that mean? Catholic Church. Uh, and look, the whole thing is nuts. And that's why we have two brains, to give you both sides with Malcoma in the middle. Hmm. Purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't expect it to do it like this, but actually, I'm getting this new field theory. It's very exciting for me because it's going to open a bunch of new doors. Like mm-hmm. when we went from quantum mechanics, <clears throat> the reason we needed to make a change back then going from quantum mechanics or what they called special physics was that new physics was that the more you know, when you take something analog and put it into digital form, what you've just done is Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. And the more you know about one thing, the less you know about something else. And because of that, space and time are limited, and you can't get there from here. So we thought to write one around information and resolution of information, holographic systems. We talk about IQ and the physical pain, and then we talk to Penny Jesuit and EQ and how you feel about the physical pain. That's fractal math. But the bad news about that system is there's a theorem in information theory that states If you have enough information to ask a coherent question, you have enough information to answer it. The structure of the way you ask the question is where the answer lies because, here we go, drum roll, because Mendelbrot, Julia, and May systems, generators, are closed systems. They're like digital again. And information isn't really what you think it is. And so now we need to go into a multiverse system where we have access to the collapsed timelines, you know, singularities. We have your butterfly effect. You have your your mentala effect. You have, oh, I don't know, slashing colors with vampires and all kinds of extras. And the thing is, the knot theory is the space between when a proton is a particle and when it becomes a wave. And that's where your multiverse of possibilities lie and how you can now take a look at your child and realize that that child is a different version of you from the multiverse. And once you can see that relationship, the first thing out of the gate for me would be educational reform right out of the top. And rather than trying to constrict them in what you know you can't do, what you do first as a first step is 
you ask them what they want to know. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's kind of like the uh, Waldorf school. Um, I mentor for Waldorf. No, yes and no. I mentor for Waldorf. I had a 12-year-old doing his mm-hmm. doctorate at Cornell in organic chemistry. What could I possibly mentor that kid with? What I ended up doing, we wrote a comic book for Feral Press. <laughs> the kid was there a young 12-year-old, man. He got it. And, you know, and, and it opened up a whole realm of doors for him to be able to write a fantasy around his doctoral thesis as a comic book. Well, so is that when uh, Adam Parfrey uh, was owner of Feral Press? That's a long time ago in a faraway universe and secret and suppressed. I'm, I knew three characters in there, and Tom Lytle, that was one of the ones that wrote on Jim Morrison and the strange death of Jim Morrison. I can uh, tell you. Strange death. Well, I actually, that will be in Spook Central because I got three letters in my file here on CIA letterhead. From a fat Jim Morrison working in a laser company in Louisiana. And basically, it goes around Grandfather Montangua, who is the shaman or medicine man, Hopi, that died at the crossroads when Jim Morrison was 10 years old going through there. And that life form is not human any more than the Dalai Lama, as a little boy, can say, that's not the hat I wore, that's the one I have. There are life forms on this earth that have access to things you and I do not as human. You know, I've heard about that story. He he witnessed an accident, and one of the uh, Indian spirits went into him. That's correct, when he was 10 years old. And and I document, and you can read that in Thurl Press's book, Secret and Suppressed. And oh, it'll yes. be the article, the, uh, the chapter by Tom Lytle, L-Y-T-T-L-E. He was okay, uh, editor of Psychedelic Monographs and Essays. Interesting. And so there's really other bad. things going on that mm-hmm. we don't understand. Uh, both Denzel Washington and, um, oh, uh, who's that one? Nomads. He made, uh, Pierce Brosnan made a movie called Nomads about a life form that interfaces with men after midnight, running out, you know, running wild cars and doing crazy things, and they're not human. And we've had similar legends with Wendigo, uh, Snowman, Abominable <laughs> Snowman, Bigfoot, right. uh, and then we move into uh, shapeshifters, uh, things like that. My book will talk about a shapeshifter encounter I had here in Southern Oregon back when I was working out of Seattle. And there are life forms like fairy, elf, fawn, and fairy. That was the secret commonwealth that was my R.D.L. Lang. He presented that at the British uh, Society as a first paper in parapsychology about elf, fawn, and fairy that led to Fintorn. And that whole concept of these life forms. I remember my daughter was up in Salem watching, uh, um, filming the solar eclipse when all of a sudden a light appeared in her camera. And so she, rather than took it off the, the eclipse and followed the, this little light moving down in her garden, and then she sent me the film, and I looked at it, and you could see a fairy. <clears throat> now, does that exist or not? And what I'm going to say next is really important. 
what makes something real is the mind's eye. And so if your boy tells you there's a boogeyman under his bed, you better believe it. But is that because there really is, or is he manifesting it? Yes. Is or is it like a Which is real. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is, this is the argument of the tulpa, right? The, you know, the argument of the tulpa is that you think it, therefore you manifest it. So That's exactly correct, and that's what synchronicity is, where there's nothing by chance, and the universe talks to you in patterns that you take notice of, right. of why this is significant and that isn't. Synchronicity is by that nothing is by chance and that you are creating everything at this very moment. And there well, are some rules. Uh-huh. Go, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I, I've long believed that, that, the, that the synchronicity is, is a way of alignment. That is cool. Yes, that's a good way yeah, of expressing it. Yes. Because the universe, in 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 my estimation, right, that the universe wants you to be optimally efficient. So it's pushing you with synchronicity, or in my case, balloons or whatever. It's well, you could call you it your higher self. You could say right. that it's already written the script, I'm and you're along for the ride, waking up and noticing it. Yeah, we call it the train. The, once, once you see the synchronicities, the balloons, whatever, once you see them, you can't unsee them because you get on the train, and the train never stops. It'll slow down, and you'll have less synchronicity interfacing you, or it'll speed up, and there's more synchronicities, but the synchronicities are designed to push you toward the center of the road where it's the smoothest, and you're the optimally efficient. You have an optimally, optimally efficient outcome for the universe. I'm uh, looking at something I wrote today. I'm going to bring it up real quick while we're stalling for time while I'm going on my computer here. Um, This is a quote that I wrote this morning that I'm going to use somewhere. It's in Chapter 5. I'm opening it. There it is. And at the very bottom, I do a quote from uh, Meister Eckhart. There's no such thing as a spiritual journey. I'm sorry. One, one, I have to say one thing. So this is the end of our show on Aftermath, but we're going to keep recording this. So grab the podcast. Okay, continue. Oh, okay. There is no such thing as a spiritual journey. If there were a spiritual journey, it would be only a quarter inch long, though many miles deep. You do not have to go away outside yourself to come into real conversation with your soul and with the mysteries of the spiritual world. The eternal is at home within you. That's why this new field theory I'm writing will include that concept of basic, that's from Meister Eckhart, the idea that you are the entire universe. And what you're doing is manifesting in one small sleeping child. Yeah, but at the same time, you are to the universe as the universe is to you. The, the, well, that's the whole the, part of the it, into the out of. That's Alan Dean Foster, by the way, who wrote Star Wars and Outland and a bunch of other movies. Nice oh, being with you again tonight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
we yeah. can we can keep Pretty going cheap. if you want to keep going. <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm an old man. I'm good for right. up to eleven just, o'clock, and then I turn into a pumpkin. Yeah, no, no. If you guys want to do here and maybe some movies with me, where rather than having my ugly face and so on, you put images as we talk. I could be happy to do that. I'm set up to do PowerPoint on my. Yeah, we can do that. We can. Do so that. think about that for the future. Help sure. me sell as many books as you possibly can, because that's my well, only source of income. Them? How do you sell them? Where do people go to buy your books? I mean, uh, I go to my website. website. That's the only official place that they're being sold at RichardAllenMiller.com. A L A N. RichardAllenMiller.com. Because yeah, I've, I've got a bunch of your books on, on you know, various types of plants and growing things, and I bought all of them. <laughs> I've got a, a nine-volume encyclopedia on alternative agriculture. Oh, I'm your MacGyver. <laughs> well, no, that's what I do. I have two new books coming out in that area. I have Forest Farming this year, and I have the new small family farm for the 21st century. And then I have 360 PDFs in alternative agriculture that I'm going to be putting out over the next four years. All right. Well, the next time you come on, which is going to be soon, I want to get into the holographic theory and I want to go down the synchronicity thing a lot more. So, okay. Well, then my new book coming out, the one I'm writing right now is called The Non Local Mind in a Holographic Universe How to Change the Movie. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very, thank you very much for coming on. As always, I, I have nothing to say because you blow my mind every time you come on. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm, that's that we need that from each other. Yes, we do. <laughs> we frankly do. Thank you for All doing right. what you do. Well, thank you for doing what you do. <laughs> All right, Ron, are you still here? Nah, he, he had to go to the bathroom probably. <laughs> can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, Ron. Well, that that was another highly entertaining uh episode of the Paranoia Podcast show. I guess we're both now. Um yeah. uh again, It'll thank be you. Uh, next week when we actually have our intro and our outro. <laughs> yeah. And- Come down here and do some whitewater with me, and I'll show you how we do it downtown. Oh, are we going to go on the Rogue River? Are we going to go? Yeah, yeah, just Hog Creek to Galise. You know, the the Lower Rogue is a three day trip, and you have to go up and port around Rainy Falls, which is a class six, 40 feet into rocks. (laughs) That's not fun. All right, well, we'll we'll be back. We'll be back next week. well, mind blowing, mind blowing uh, episode of the Paranoia Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Tell your friends uh, we're going to try to do it on a regular basis. Uh, yeah. Ron and I get enough hate mail about us not doing it that we have to get our, our shit together and do it. Um, but we appreciate you guys listening. You can find us on Facebook at Paranoia Magazine. You can find me at Olaf Phillips. You can find Ron Ron Patton. Uh, I'm on Instagram Paranoia Mags. Uh, you can find my adventures going to weird places, uh, baking, randomness. But uh, hey, Ron, what do you say, man? Take good know. care and keep the faith. <laughs> All right, people, be excellent to each other. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olav Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now.